Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind you guys of Starting Small Summit. On April 13th in Mishawaka, Indiana, we're hosting our first live in-person summit at Bethel University. We're hosting a speaker panel of Joe Foster of Reebok, Stacey Madison of Stacey's Pita Chips and Be Bold Bars, and Dr. Jonathan B. Levine of Glow Science and JBL New York City. I hope to see you guys there and make sure to check the link in this podcast description for tickets and all the details you can find about the speakers themselves. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by David and Kavi of DS and Durga. Fragrances formulated to take your senses to far off places. A brand that defines fragrance as an artwork, David and Kavi share how our senses can connect us despite our location. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by David and Kavi of DS and Durga. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. No doubt. Thanks for having us. So typically, I do interviews one-on-one. This might be a little different for some of these questions, um, but I'd like to take you back to your upbringing. Um, For both of you guys, can you kind of explain what your childhood was like and where did you grow up? Kavi, you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I grew up in uh, New Jersey um, and in a pretty uh, typical Indian household. Um, I then went to um, college for art history um, where I fell in love with art and specifically architecture so much so that I decided to become an architect. Um, Then I went to um, grad school for architecture, became an architect and worked in it for a couple years before um, I met David during that time, um, just kind of randomly. And it was around the recession in you know, the recession in uh, 2009. And um, we uh, were just sort of both dissatisfied with what we were doing and just thought there, there could be more. So um, I'm kind of like jumping forward into like the genesis of DS and Durga, but um, yeah, at some point um, I quit architecture and and started doing this. Amazing. Uh, I grew up, David. What about yourself? Sorry, I I grew up north of Boston uh, in a little town called Swampscott, next to like Selma, the Witch Trials town. Grew up uh, near the ocean uh, with like woods behind my house. Grew up in a house where my dad listened to really loud music in the central artery of the house with no regard for us so like was inundated with classical music blues and jazz classic rock um so i think those had a really big impact on me um certainly yeah that's childhood is is that do you want to know up until today or just childhood no that that's great right there um for you guys uh growing up as well in your childhood would you say that you had an entrepreneurial mindset say like the typical lemonade stand or sell any products i mean we did like a uh so definitely i just was gonna be a musician and only cared about that and uh i mean when i was a really little kid you know you want to be like a basketball player or something yeah. but uh no business was not at all part of my family's it wasn't even a thought like business school or nothing to do with business. My, like we never talked about it. We yeah. started DS and Durga like as a labor of love and knew nothing about business and had to learn as we went. And so it's, it's a little different. Certainly. I definitely had, um, I, I guess I would just put it more of like an entrepreneurial spirit because my parents both 
owned um, a medical practice together and they and they still do and they work together and it was kind of what i witnessed growing up and i really um it really impressed upon me the idea that you know around the dinner table like their their lives were just kind of seamless like they would talk about work they would talk about life like everything just kind of flowed into each other instead of like how was your day what did you do today yeah. what's going on with your work like there was ne never any of that um and so it just was kind of what was normal to me um so it really when i when david and i started working together it felt really uh natural because it's just sort of what i what i witnessed growing up and i definitely you know when we're asked about work life separation you know we don't i mean sure we we surely take weekends off and we have we have we definitely have like downtime and everything at this point mm -hmm. <clears throat> wasn't always the case but now it is um but you know we talk about work constantly our our children talk about our work kind of constantly and are just kind of involved in it mm. because it's just omnipresent and always around um so yeah i i i grew up with the idea that you know you could that it was kind of amazing and ideal to to run your own business yeah and um and yeah, so that was definitely an influence on me, I think. Amazing. Transitioning into grad school, Coffee, you mentioned earlier that you guys met here at grad school. I'm curious, did you meet in like a class? What was that experience like? Where did you guys meet? What school was that as well? Sorry, no. So I, I went to grad school in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, David and I met on the street in New York. Interesting. Just randomly on the street. Okay. I went to grad like school. A very... I went to grad school working in restaurants and playing in bands. <laughs> I didn't go to grad school. Got it. Got it. I'm not as so, smart as as Kavi over here. <laughs> he's, he's equally equally as smart. D David, I'm curious. And uh, prior to DS and Durga, um, what kind of jobs were you working? Were you touring then as an artist? Yeah. So I was. I was. Yeah. I went. I went to film school, and then like at the end, was in a band, and we just like always left to go on tour. And then we yeah. moved to New York and just were musicians. Uh, when we would come back from tour, we would always get like a shitty job in like a restaurant. And so I worked in restaurants <laughs> for like 10 years, like coffee shops and restaurants. Like I worked at Cafe Jeton, like some legendary places, St. Helens Cafe, Pure Food and Wine. Yeah. Two of those are gone and are legendary. Uh, so mm -hmm. I worked there and uh, like in between. But I mean, even I was a mover right when I moved here, uh, like before the summer, before going on tour. And like, I'm a skinny dude, like being a mover was awful. Um, you know, at coffee shops, I worked in some pretty awful coffee shops. So many, so many of our um, connections and definitely like in the beginning of DS and Durga, yeah. so many things we accomplished are because of David's um, work in coffee shops and restaurants. Like he no just sort of hit these couple places at the right times. He worked at Cafe Jeton um, in Nolita, mm -hmm. like just like a block away from our where our first store is. And he worked at um, St. Helens and which was in Williamsburg before Williamsburg was was what was it like is now. I um, was like peaking. <laughs> yeah. And like so all these amazing creative kind of like Brooklyn pioneers were um, you know, it was like a scene. Yeah. And so he, he met all of them by serving them coffee, but would also just start like, I was in these bands and would like play like shows and so you just meet people that too, you know, it was like a whole thing. Yeah, certainly. So during this time then, uh, where does the inspiration come to move to create your own company with DS and Durga? Oh, okay. So this is good because it's true. Like when we first met Kavi and I, like 
I was a musician. She was an architect. And um, I definitely, there's a song that I wrote at the, towards the end of like the band that I was in called Salt and Sandra, and it's, it's called Perfume. And the lyrics are like all about giving up like music for perfume. Because I, I started to make stuff like for Christmas presents for, uh, and Kavi did the design and people loved them. And she was like, why don't we just make a company? And at this time, like everyone was just like starting their own thing. Like Kavi had a good friend that had a jewelry business. I had one that had a jewelry business. People were just making their own things. So, yeah. but, but in a totally different way than like, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but like, it's just an interesting contrast to like what's going on now where especially in beauty and just like brands in general, like everyone's launching a brand, Yeah. but we didn't, we were not launching a brand oh, like yeah. at all. It was a different world. We were like making art. We were like making, we were like doing projects. We were like crafting and like we actually making things ourselves. Yeah. And like, we thought of like the word brand, like it wasn't really used much, thought of it sort of like a, a dirty word. Yeah. Um, just like kind of like very corporate feeling. Definitely. I honestly could not have defined the word marketing for you until like five years ago. Like I really didn't understand what the concept of marketing, like what it actually meant. You know, I, yeah. I think maybe a lot of people don't know what it means. I, I just, I just did not know about business at all in, in that regard. Um, yeah. So, but we, we had um, started to make things for people and the, the, the real, the real way it happened is like this. So start making stuff for people. I'm still working at the restaurant, like not like just fucking dragging my feet through it, playing yeah. shows, going on like tours and stuff. And then it really starts to take off and we're like, this is crazy. And we, we were making like weird, like interesting perfumes, right? Um, yeah. I was also learning how to make perfume because I am the perfumer of the brand in case anyone doesn't know. So I still to this day make every formula. But at that time, I you know, I was figuring it out. Like I'm self-taught. Um, yeah. And we got a anthropology wanted us to make them a line. Mm -hmm. And so we did that and, and they placed a PO for us for, for like, I think it was like 20, it was either 26 or $52,000. And we were just like to that. Wow. And I was like $5 million. We were like, holy shit. And we, yeah. and I was in India. And so I quit my job. Uh, we were in India together. So I, I, I gave my two weeks and I went full time and then Kavi six months later uh, to do it. And we were like, wow, we can actually make a living off this. But then artistically realized like, wow, you know, it's really tough making it in music um, because there's so much competition. And like, I didn't look at music like a business. That's the thing. I just saw it yeah. as an art form. And if you want to be successful, you have to treat it like a business. And I wasn't able to do that at the time. Now, now knowing that maybe it would be different. And Kavi was yeah. an architect. And, you know, she's bogged down in like these projects that take like 10 years and she just wanted to like see her designs come to life. And we realized, yeah. oh, I can make perfumes about the same things I want to talk about in music and she can make design products that can actually get done that she made in, in, a, in a shorter amount of time. And so we we're like, yeah. wow, we can transition like our careers actually into this uh, mm. and it took off. So the formulations not really having much experience prior what did that look like in R&D and some of your prototyping processes as well? You know, it's funny. I mean, we still sell cowboy grass as one of our like old fragrances. I made that when I didn't know anything about fragrance. Um, wow. So, so I, I think that me, I'd like, I, I can figure out any artistic discipline. Like I, I'm good at um, organizing media into structure, whether it be like 
painting or sculpture. Like I, I write poetry, I play music, I make uh, perfumes, obviously. I went to film school. Like I think artistic things, like I, I can sort of coalesce them into an order. So I yeah. just learned as I went, but like even, you know, I, I'm always learning new things. I just learned something that I had been, that I couldn't figure out for probably 10 years last week. Um, this one thing that just eluded me forever and I finally figured it out, you know? But I feel yeah. now I can, you know, my my uh, expertise in, in creating realistic sense is, is obviously much more advanced now than it, ever, than it was before. Definitely. I'm curious, when you've got that first purchase order, being such at the early stage, how did you handle uh, production? Were you able, were you guys able to- We were hand making everything. We had, we, I was, I was making them- We we had friends over, we would, we would, we would give them pizza and beer to like assemble boxes. Yeah. And like, we would have these, we would just like, we were young enough that like people were like enticed by like bribing them with like food and drink. And they would help us like make everything. We got an office wow. in Gowanus because I, I can remember filling the anthropology orders. There's a chance that we were doing it. Like I lived in. Well, there were there were there were two. The first one was definitely done in our apartment. Was done in the apartment, um, which, by the way, so you can't do that. Like I didn't know this about fragrance. There's crazy amount of regulatory. No. <laughs> so very early on, we realized. I feel like there's you know, probably like a statute of limitations like, that has passed yeah, yeah. that we can talk about. It. You know, in a, in a FDA facility, lots of like regulatory stuff. So we started on that path really early, which is great. But before that, like in this very beginning, I was hand making it in these drums. Like we, we, we ended up buying like industrial drums, you know, hand wow. making it in that and then hand filling it. I bought these things. You know, like if you were like at a fancy like outdoor dinner party, someone might buy this thing to infuse vodka or, or they'll use it yeah. for lemonade where it has a little spigot so you can like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was using those. So I'd fill it up and I'd have to fill each bottle, uh, you know, and then and then uh, close it. Then we had a sticker. And in the in the very beginning, Kavi made these tapes, we called them, that were like on old liquor bottles, you would have this like tape that showed that it was sealed and she yeah. would do that. And it was such a pain in the ass. And she'd have to stay late at the <laughs> architecture firm to like use their professional cutters. You know? Wow. That's insane. So when I look mm-hmm. at the website, uh, you guys state that you take object plants and places and you transport your customer to that place. Can you kind of explain what the process is like, what you mean by that as well with your your products yeah so i you know i came up with the the tagline perfume is armchair travel which is something that i believe so um it's actually not this is not a strange concept and we're seeing a change in people's understanding of what fragrance can do but fragrance is an art form just like literature just like music right and through a system of variables that you know hit you in the nose you are, your mind is just like if you hear a piece of music, you might see a landscape. So yeah. with like a name and a little bit of description, I believe, I mean, sometimes even without, I, I, I like to use realistic scent recreation and be very specific. So let's say I'm making a fragrance that is, you know, in Salem, Massachusetts, like at a certain time, there's like an object there. So I'm going to create like the, the objects and the things that would be there, bring in the scent of the salty sea that's maybe coming in through the window and through, and then with the name and the description, hopefully you can see that like that place, you know, and, yeah. and that's just like realistically on a spiritual level. I think it's interesting that great artwork, uh, performs like a keyhole into another realm. Um, you know, like if, if you had a bottle of perfume right there and I had one and we sprayed it together and smelled it, 
it's almost like our minds are going to some wow yeah non-localized energy field you know uh and it's yeah. the same thing what happen happens with like music all great art is like this window onto like a possible landscape definitely what or where do you source these uh, elements say from the early days as well where do you source these elements from well now I, I work with like the i work with what i think are the two greatest fragrance companies in the world like that all right they're one of them Fermanish. they they're doing the r d that's like propelling us into the future i mean there's there's yeah. four or five major companies that make uh aroma chemicals for the naturals yeah. um there's a few more and i work with like the oldest one um so yeah i get the best stuff from these people because it's it's a little bit sometimes people don't understand like you don't need to make your materials just like if you're yeah. a guitar player you don't need to build the guitar you just know how to yeah. play it so I work with the, these older companies and, and the natural materials literally come from everywhere around the world. Even the synthetics do too, because certain chemicals are made in a certain place at a certain process that's, you know, completely, completely uh, proprietary to a certain company. Certainly. Mentioned earlier that you guys don't, you didn't see this as a brand. Uh, I'm curious, when was the turning point where you started to market and put marketing into the products? Well, I would say brand is before marketing, and maybe you can speak to that, Kyle, but like, yeah. actually. Well, at, at, a at a certain point, um, like when, when we started a lot of, a lot of the, well, the look, the look of the product was inspired by, as were we, as was the rest of Brooklyn, inspired yeah. by like the 19th century and sort of like Victorian times. And um, just like, kind of like harkening back to like, just this style that um, you know everyone was feeling at the moment. Um, at a certain point, um, as we gave gave Diaz and Durga more thought, we were like, "This is not. We do not want to be like stuck in this moment in time. Like this isn't actually like you know what reflects us. Like my design tastes in in general, like in a vacuum, are definitely like more like modernist. Um, mm -hmm. So we decided to sort of re, I guess it would be called a rebrand." Um, and it was a little bit painful because, you know, um, when you're switching product out and you just completely change the way something looks, um, you know, but we at, at probably in like 2015, I think it was, yeah. like we just decided to sort of go for it. And, you know, the, it made the product look more or less the way it does now with a really uh, kind of premium packaging um, situation. Um, everything before was based on minimums and what we could get and there were folding cartons you know if anyone in yeah. the industry knows they were just kind of like really simple things they were stock bottles stock caps like you know labels that and everything that i could order in like low quantities of like even like a hundred was like you know in the very beginning it was like oh i have to order a hundred of those which is insane yeah. to, to think of that now um but uh it's because like a lot of people's like minimums for like any kind of component you're buying is 10,000. Yeah. Um, so at the time that's all we could do. Then, you know, things um, evolved. So this rebrand um, into the package uh, and the products looking the way it does now happened in 2015. And then a few years later, um, you know, things, you know, we had more traction and we were able to hire some, some people who, who know more about what they're doing in terms of sales and marketing. I mean, David has um, a considerable interest in, in marketing the product. Um, I, it's not, it's not my forte. I'm just kind of focused on like the, 
like the design and yeah, but that's um, part of the marketing. Just the I, I product would, itself. Yeah, I think just like the word marketing, but like if marketing is just like how you talk about your product to the consumer, that's super important to me and always has been. So we've always been doing that. Yeah. And but Kyle, yours is like even more like keeping this brand identity uh, succinct. I mean, we we are like a capricious brand. We're we're interested in doing something. We're going to do some crazy ass shit, and it's that's that's because yeah. that's what we're into. Um, and you learn about yourself as you go. I mean, it, it feels freer and freer um, to, you know, well, I, it's not freer and freer because in some ways it's, it's harder, but meaning uh, we hope we never lose that joyful edge of like play, you know, with it. Yeah, certainly. At the early days at launch, of course, you guys were selling locally, but I'm curious, were you 100% for the most part e-commerce selling D2C online? No, 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 no. We, 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 right away, we were in like the coolest stores. Like that's, that's how it started. We were in Extremis yeah. and Ernest Selling yeah, that- and in Gobby Trust, which were like three like capital, like just Im- important, like cool New York stores, yeah. you know, and then it just- all, all gone now. Yeah. Yeah. So like, how does a deal like that acquired so quickly at- I mean, an early That's company. the thing is it took right up, but it's because I, I worked in these restaurants. So I knew the guy at Freeman's, Tavo Somer, who was like the most influential, like New Yorker of the time. And he, wow. he, he wanted it. He put it in there. I made, I used to make them a shaving tonic for their barber shop that I cut down spruce trees behind my parents' house and distilled it and made this crazy ass thing. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, Ernest Sohn, Kav maybe knew someone or they were friends with them. And then in Gobby Trust, we, I, I knew the owner as well. So that those things right there. And then, by the way, this and is- no one, no, one was, no one was doing this we didn't then. Sell you know, online. No, like this is when Amazon just sold books. So like there was yeah, no yeah. store that sold online. I, in fact, I mean, I, I remember Refinery29, which is now just like this crazy, like media giant, um, yeah. started as like an online boutique to that that was that where you could buy things from like random little stores in new york that like no one knew about they're just like these cool stores and then they like yeah. gathered together to put their wares online under the site refinery because people didn't have their own like e-com websites yeah, yeah, yeah. so like refinery 29 started if i if i'm remembering correctly as this place where like small boutiques could sell stuff like you know, because they couldn't make their own site. Um, yeah. So it didn't, yeah, it didn't ex- exist much then. And then, and this, the idea of handmade perfume also didn't exist much then. I mean, there were very few of us um, actually making perfume. It was very much still a kind of like top down, you know, French, uh, you know, you have to study it, you have to take this right path. Um, yeah. So what we were doing at that moment was, um, was pretty radical because yeah, no one was really doing that. Certainly. From shoppers going to those stores then, um, what kind of, uh, say, stats could you pull for your main demographic then, especially weaving into today as well? What would you say is the main demographic? for So now or, or then? Then and then what kind of transition did you see I have to say, evolving to this now? This one's a little tough because I there's two kinds of artists. There's the artists who like make their art and don't care what anyone thinks. And then there's the one that's like, oh, I want to make something for everyone. And, and I'm more number two and I'm the one making like the fragrances. So like, I hope that you, uh, you discover our brand. You're like, oh, this, this thing is so cool. Let me find one that works for me. And we do see that. Like we have a very wide swath of ages and gender uh, and type of people um, because it's not just, yeah, I, I, I think it can be 
it does well once it gets in front of people. I mean, we've always had a yeah. sort of, you know, young demographic, like 25 to, or like, yeah, 25 to 45, but even older, we have an older demographic as well. Uh, and another thing is perfume, I think as a category, it's something like 80% women, 20% men, and ours is more like uh, 70, 30. So we definitely have okay. more men. And that's maybe because I make stuff like, I, I like shit for dudes as well. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think of that um, sometimes, exactly. but... Um, looking at DS and Durga today, then what would you say separates uh, your brand from competitors? Then I mean, there's nothing like us for sure because because we're we're perfumer and designer owned, right? So there's not many companies. Look, what what the perfume industry generally is is a company comes up with like a brand, maybe creative ideas, and then they go to a perfume company to make them perfumes. They don't yeah. know how to make perfume. They don't know the formula. And they don't understand how perfumes truly work. Just like if I hired a, an orchestrator to make me like a symphony, and then I was like, "Yeah, no, I made that because I told him I wanted the symphony to be like you know kind of Germanic, but like have some new like fresh sounds and like use a lot of clarinet." You know, like that doesn't yeah. make me a, a composer, right? Um, and yeah. this is not to say that other companies are bad. It just means that what happens is the the line between perfumer and sniffer is very convoluted. Whereas us, I'm directly talking to you about what's in the fragrance, why I made it and what it's trying to say. You might not like it. You may think I did a terrible job, but at least you know it's like my voice and Kavi's voice as to like what this product is. So there's not many companies that are like that um, on the market. Amazing. If you look at Decent Durga today, if you have an idea, what would you say is the top seller, perfume-wise? Well, we, we know. I don't know what is our best seller. I don't know what. You don't it's, know. A it's, a, it's a fragrance enhancer. It's like sort of a, a no-fragrance fragrance where it doesn't have like a heart and it smells very like modern and um, minimal and clean. And you can spray it over anything else and like it, it melds with it. But I think a lot of people yeah. just wear it on its own as well. But we do have six perfumes that are in like the, that are always within the top six. You know, like we, okay. we're not like the brand that's just known for one fragrance. Got it. I want to say another thing that um, sets us apart from other, well, something that we that we love to do is we, we drop these studio juices every every few months, um, which, and actually there's one coming out today. I don't know when this when this will air, but um, um, we, we make these limited edition scents where David gets to really um, kind of just exercise, both of us get to like exercise these creative muscles that like we don't normally because, because when it's limited edition and just direct to our customer, they're, they're just in our stores and on our website, um, we do not wholesale them um, and they sell out within the day. Um, we get to just sort of play with the design, play with the scent. They don't have to like, it doesn't even, it doesn't matter if they're not like, uh, you know, if they're not bestsellers, this and that. they're just yeah. kind of like projects and concepts that we like to bring to life. Um, and that's just kind of indicative of uh, what we can do as a brand when we're, when it's led by the creatives. Um, yeah. Because it's just, there's, there's not much like maneuvering involved. We just like make it and put it out. Um, it was always the intention to just like make things and put them out and not, um, you know, so that, that we are like founders of the brand is really kind of like secondary to us. Like what we're, what we're making and what we're doing is really like our, um, like how we would define our roles first. 
is like Certainly. actually like designing and making the perfume. Um, and we like to do that for specifically things like these studio juices. It's amazing. I, just a quick question on that. How long do you typically keep that studio juice like live? It sells out in 24 one. hours. It sells out within the day. So wow. it's like, like it's, it just launched like 10 minutes ago and it'll be gone. Do you typically like, do you launch like as a legit product to stay on board if like one performs really well? We've had them join our line because they're like things that I want in there. Another thing is I'm trying to make the world's best perfume line, right? That has every single yeah. thing. And it's, you can't do that unless like you have a hundred perfumes and we're not, it's just too confusing for people. But I always want to be yeah. like, oh, I've never got to make like an incredible like gardenia. Like, great. I'm going to make a gardenia yeah. done. And then like I've made it. And like, if ever we want to bring it in the line, we have it and could bring it in. That's awesome. That's cool. So I like to conclude each episode with this. Um, if you could share one piece to an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret, uh, what would that be? Just advice from both of you guys. Yeah, I've thought about this before. Um, I have a lot. I don't know. I'd, I'd want to like talk yeah. to them for an hour. Um, <laughs> what's something that like I really? I think sometimes people don't realize. Um, Well, first, first and foremost, just like philosophically, like only do like what you love to do. It, it sounds so obvious, but if you're, if this is going to be your life's work, don't just be like, oh, well, there are people who just want to like run a business. They just want to be in business. Yes. You know, like ours came as like a labor, a labor of love. If we were like selling olive oil, I don't know if we would be like as passionate about, although I could get his olive oil. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, uh, you know, we'd be like as passionate about it. So like find something you, you love because that's what you would like, you know, die, live and die for. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know, before like taking investment, I would have some other advice too, just because like I think some people don't understand like what that means, you know? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I would, I would, Give give credit to um, your team. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think like founders these days are very. Uh, I don't know. Um, nothing we do could like could we do without a team. We we did it ourselves for so long, and then when we yeah. when we finally grew enough to like get help from people who who were really like experts at what they were doing, like things grew so much because we're able to focus on what we're we're best at. They're able to focus on what their best at and we really just like blossomed with like such an amazing team um and you know we cannot take credit for for anything alone um Certainly. so yeah say amazing well, that's perfect david and kavi thank you guys so much for joining me and to the listeners out there make sure to check out ds and durga at dsandurga.com thanks so much thank you bye perfect i'm gonna stop the recording amazing you guys have